This is Africa News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehi Wahib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on Africa News Tonight. WHO reports Liberia now has joined Mauritius and Seychelles in reaching more than 70% coverage, and Rwanda is on target to join them soon. That's VOA reporter Lisa Schlein on World Health Organization concerns of a rise in COVID cases in Africa. Details coming up. Also, peace talks between Ethiopia and its Tigray region are scheduled to start Monday. Chad has declared a state of emergency due to flooding. And Tanzania is trying to raise money to repatriate Burundian refugees. All these and more on African News Tonight. We start with our top story. British Prime Minister Liz Truss says she's resigned after a rising chorus of members of her own party called for her to step down. With only 44 hours in office, Truss is the shortest serving Prime Minister in the United Kingdom's history. Our VOA reporter, Venust Shimimana, is in London, closely following the story. He joins us live on the phone. Welcome to African News Tonight. Thank you so much Venus, for having me. So, Venus, uh, why why did Truss resign? Look, the main reason for her to leave, as she said, is the political instability. She said she could not deliver her mandate, the mandate on which she was elected by the Conservative Party. It is not the financial and the market turmoil that brought her down. It is also the, the anger among the British people. There have been a lot of strikes since when she came to power 44 days ago. Winter is coming and energy prices are still high. The mortgage rate is high. She said that she's resigning for, from the leadership of the Conservative Party, but that she will remain as a prime minister while waiting for the appointment of her successor. Truss said uh, she would remain as prime minister until the member of her party choose a, a new leader, like you just said. But what happens next in terms of selecting a new prime minister and a new government? What happened next is that the, the conservative MPs will get together and will choose the next prime minister. The next prime minister wants to be elected by party members across the country, as it was uh, when uh, Liz Truss was um, elected. The new prime minister should be there next week, Friday, uh, according to the chairman of the 1922 committee. And among the candidates that have been uh, already announced, and who have announced their intention to run, we have the the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who is travelling back from the Caribbean where he was on holiday. We have got Rishi Sunak, the former uh, Chancellor and the, the unsuccessful candidate for the Conservative Party in leader. Uh, there could be other candidates as well, like uh, Ben Wallace, the um, Defence uh, Minister. But the contest is open. British Prime Minister Liz Truss, uh, who actually uh, was in office for 44 days. Uh, Venus Shimimana from London. Uh, thank you for your input. 
You're welcome. Thank you for having me. The African Union has set October 24th as a date for peace talks to end the war in Ethiopia's Tigray region, according to the National Security Advisor for Ethiopia's Prime Minister. The talks set to take place in South Africa would be aimed at ending the two-year war that has killed hundreds of thousands of people. Fred Harter reports from Addis Ababa. The announcement from Ethiopian National Security Advisor Redwan Hussein came days after the federal government announced the capture of three strategic towns in Tigray including Shire, which hosts large numbers of people uprooted by the war. In recent days, diplomats have urged the federal government and the Tigray forces to agree to an immediate ceasefire, with UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres warning Monday that the situation in northern Ethiopia is spiralling out of control. African Union-led peace talks were supposed to take place earlier this month in South Africa, with both the Tigray rebels and the federal government saying they were ready to participate. The talks were delayed due to logistical issues. Redwan said on Twitter Thursday that the federal government has reconfirmed our commitment to participate in talks mediated by the AU. However, we are dismayed that some are bent on preempting the peace talks and spreading false allegations against the defensive measures, he added, an indirect reference to recent statements from Western officials expressing alarm over reports of attacks on civilians. The federal government said this week that it is planning to take control of Tigray's airports and federal institutions in order to safeguard the sovereignty and territorial integrity of the country. EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell said Monday that the EU deplores the escalation of violence and irreparable cost to human life in Ethiopia and warned the parties to begin peace talks without delay. A recent UN report found that all sides have committed human rights abuses since the conflict broke out in November 2020. Samantha Power, who heads the US Agency for International Development, warned Sunday that there is a significant risk of further assaults and killings being perpetrated against civilians if the fighting engulfs camps for displaced people in Tigray. The Tigray rebels did not immediately confirm their participation in the talks in South Africa on October 24, but have previously committed to participating in a peace process overseen by the AU. Fred Harter, for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Some analysts are calling it the most brutal war ever in Ethiopia, a multi-ethnic country with a long history of conflict. Human rights groups say up to 800,000 people have lost their lives in the Tigray region since fighting began between Ethiopian and Eritrean troops on one side and the Army of the Tigray People's Liberation Front, TPLF, on the other almost two years ago. The Ethiopian government and the TPLF accuse each other starting the war and perpetrating gross human rights violations. Caught in the middle is the African Union. Darren Taylor reports. Conflict analysts say recent gains by Ethiopian and Eritrean forces, including their capture of the key city of Shire, mean the TPLF armies now firmly on the back foot. Human rights groups say civilians are in danger of being massacred, raped and starved, although the Ethiopian government's promised aid in areas it controls. Development expert Dr. Hafte Gebrselassi currently in Nairobi, says Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed's administration wants to eliminate the TPLF as a political threat. The TPLF ran the government for 27 years until it was ousted from power in 2018. 
Gaber Selassie says Tigray is totally surrounded by Ethiopian and Eritrean forces. Seven million Tigrans couldn't get food, they couldn't get medicine, they couldn't get internet. They are totally filled up without electricity, without banking, because all these services have been weaponized by the federal government. Geber Selassie says Ethiopian and Eritrean troops have killed thousands of Tigrayans. Ethiopia's ambassador in South Africa, Mukhtar Kadir, says his government soldiers are highly professional and never attack civilians. He says the Ethiopian army's recent airstrikes in Tigray were in response to TPLF actions. When the TPLF end up launching a full-scale attack and invasion in the neighboring regions, Afar and Amhara, killing civilians and looting their property and destroying social infrastructures. The government is left with no option except defending the sovereignty and territorial integrity of the country and the safety of the people. Amnesty International says both sides have committed violations including executions, rape, looting and forcible recruitment of civilians to fight. Geber Selassie says all atrocities, no matter who the perpetrators are, must be condemned. But he adds his contacts in Tigray continually report Ethiopian army airstrikes on civilian buildings, including homes, schools and hospitals. Kadir describes the reports as fabrications. Ethiopian Air Force's attack is confined only to military capabilities and military installations of the TPLF, not the civilians. That is why the Ethiopian Defense Force gave notice to people to distance themselves from the locations where the military installations are situated in Tigray region. Geber Selassie says the African Union and the United Nations aren't doing enough to help the people of Tigray and seem to believe the Ethiopian government when it says all it wants is peace. This was a diplomatic strategy which is aimed at buying time, which is perfectly working because the people of Tigray are dying while the international community is talking about the problem. The African Commission itself has been working with the government of Ethiopia, hand in glove actually, for the last two years. The African Union is not ready to heed this peace process. The AU has appointed former Nigerian President Olesegun Obasanjo to promote peace across the Horn of Africa, including in Tigray. But, as Geber Selassie points out, the TPLF no longer trusts Obasanjo. He says the breakdown happened in May, when the TPLF accepted Obasanjo's advice to release 4,000 prisoners of war as a confidence-building measure. The TPLF says Obasanjo told them Abi would free an equal number of Tigrayan captives. This never happened, and Obasanjo is not known to have done anything to pressure the Ethiopian government to meet its end of the bargain. Obasanjo has also repeatedly suggested Eritrea be involved in peace talks, while knowing this is unacceptable to the TPLF. VOA has asked the AU for comment about its efforts in Ethiopia, but hasn't received a response yet. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
The French news agency AFP reports at least 150 people have been killed in two days of fighting in the latest ethnic clashes triggered by land disputes in Sudan's southern Blue Nile state. The fighting is some of the worst in recent months and crowds took to the streets of the Blue Nile state capital, Damazin, in protest, chanting slogans condemning a conflict that has left hundreds dead this year. Clashes in Sudan's troubled Blue Nile broke out last week after reported arguments over land between members of the Hausa people and rival groups. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voaafrica.com. The World Health Organization warns Africa's COVID-19 vaccination coverage has stagnated, putting the continent's 1.2 billion people at higher risk for this ever-evolving virus. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva. New numbers from the WHO show a significant decline in new vaccinations, with immunization rates dropping by more than half between July and September. At this rate, WHO officials say most countries in Africa will miss the global goal of vaccinating 70% of their populations by the end of the year. Despite this setback, WHO says modest progress is being made towards vaccinating high-risk population groups, particularly the elderly. In other good news, the agency reports over the past 12 weeks, Africa has recorded the lowest case numbers since the start of the pandemic, adding that deaths remain low across the region. WHO Regional Director for Africa, Machidiso Moeti, says in many ways, Africa is a victim of its own success. It's important to note that vaccine supply is no longer problematic. Countries are now receiving about double the number of doses per 100 people than at the end of last year. Unfortunately, as vaccines have helped avoid serious COVID-19 illness, hospitalization and death, people are less fearful. And so also less willing to get vaccinated. Several African countries have defied the statistics and racked up vaccination successes. WHO reports Liberia now has joined Mauritius and Seychelles in reaching more than 70% coverage, and Rwanda is on target to join them soon. Liberia's health minister, Wilhelmina Jala, explains how her country has achieved this milestone. The magic bullet was decentralization making sure each county run their own vaccination campaign and the participation of all the healthcare workers and the vaccinators and the support from all of the partners and making sure that the vaccines were available. That's key to Aurelia Nguyen is special advisor to Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance. She says Gavi so far has supplied 670 million doses to Africa. She says vaccines will continue to be sent to Africa for as long as the pandemic continues and poses a threat. We have enough doses to go around. We're especially determined to make sure the vulnerable groups are protected. Um, And so elderly healthcare workers, primary series, but also boosters. And this is the only way that we're going to be able to ensure that lives are saved and that the health systems 
hold strong if we have a, a, a new variant or surge. More than 250,000 people in Africa have lost their lives to COVID-19. WHO officials say high vaccination coverage in populations reduces the spread of the virus, helps prevent new variants from emerging, and saves lives. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. Kenya says six counties and the capital have been hit by outbreaks of cholera. The French news agency AFP says 60 cases have been registered nationwide, including 17 in Nairobi. Authorities say the outbreak started at a wedding party in Kiambu County, 10 kilometers north of the capital. Kiambu accounts for half of the cases now affecting the country. AFP says 13 people nationwide have been hospitalized and notes that the World Health Organization reports a global shortage of cholera vaccine doses, prompting a one-dose strategy rather than two. The WHO says 29 countries have had outbreaks this year, including nearly half which did not have any the previous year. Cholera is a diarrheal infection that's usually spread by contaminated food and water. Startups and small and medium-sized enterprises are changing the way Africa does business through innovation and technology. From agriculture, telecommunication, health, and so many sectors, young entrepreneurs are infusing vibrancy and energy into the African economy. Big business is watching and ready to support. Through the 2022 Africa Digital Innovation Competition, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and its prestigious partners are providing cash awards and mentorship support to three of Africa's top innovators chosen from 17,000 candidates from 50 countries in North, Central, East, West, and Southern Africa. The Voice of America interviewed the top 10 candidates from where the finalists will be picked. Here is one of them. My name is Raul Fossi. I'm 37 years old, and I'm the founder of a young startup company called Skyview Solutions, based in Douala in Cameroon. We applied to the 2022 African Digital Innovation Competition because we hope that through the competition, we can get the visibility necessary to attract us additional resources, both intellectual and financial, to help us develop the next phases of our application and also help us scale across Africa. To be one of the top 10 finalists of the competition is a huge honor, especially for such a young team. But it's also a big pride for our country, Cameroon. And it is, in addition to that, it's validation um, of our solution and confirmation that we're headed in the right direction. Also, it's confirmation that with a little bit of courage and a lot of determination, we can accomplish great things. Our solution is a very simple application that makes it possible for anybody, private business, a contractor building a home or a business anywhere around the world to access their building remotely as if they're actually there physically and be able to, to appreciate progress over time from a visual standpoint and a quantitative standpoint, um, giving them understanding of exactly what's being done on their job site over time and what resources have been used over time. The biggest impact that a solution will have on a society as a whole is that it would significantly reduce the cost 
of construction in our communities by 5 to 10%. It will do so by reducing the amount of waste, both in time and resources experienced by most construction owners and construction managers currently in our environment. If we win the competition, I'll be extremely happy for my young team. In three years of entrepreneurship, one thing I've learned is that success is really less in the destination and more in the journey. So rather than focus on the future of what I would do, I choose to celebrate the present and the fact that we indeed have been selected among the top 10 um, companies, young companies in the continent. That was Raoul Fossi with the startup company Skyview Solutions in Cameroon. The company is one of the 10 finalists in the Africa Digital Innovation Competition for African Startups, organized by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, U.S. Africa Business Center. In the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, news reports say rebels killed at least seven people and kidnapped a health worker. Reporter Jafar Al-Katanti in the city of Goma says militants believed to be part of the Allied Democratic Forces attacked the town of Mamboyo in North Kivu province late last night. Many residents fled into the bush and remain unaccounted for. The militants attacked the hospital and badly damaged it. More than 100 militias are fighting for control of territory and resources in the eastern DRC and the ADF is one of the largest. And recapping our top story, peace talks between Ethiopia and its Tigray regions are scheduled to start Monday. Chad has declared a state of emergency due to flooding. And Tanzania is trying to raise money to repatriate Burundian refugees. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehayas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Baro, and our engineer, Adrius Regas, Thanks for choosing the Voice of America. host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hello. 
I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's Newsmaker Interview Program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voa or on Twitter at voa. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday 